Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Monroe Nutrition Clancast. So, episode one went all right. Um, some nice feedback, some lovely comments. It's a funny thing uh, doing a, a podcast on things like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I don't have access to anything Apple because I don't own any Apple devices. But as far as Spotify goes, people can't leave comments or ratings or things like that. So I don't even think I can see how many people have listened to it. But anyway, that's by the by. Uh, it's nice to get, you know, people have taken the time to send me DMs and stuff and let me know that they found it useful or valuable, which is great because it makes me want to do more of them. Today, I want to talk about two two separate topics, but they are actually both interlinked. Uh, there was a comment in our inside our coaching, our private coaching group over the weekend. Uh, so every every day, Monday to Thursday, and then a, a weekend post, Friday to Sunday, I myself and my co-coach uh, Louise, we put up, we call it the daily post, where we just talk about various random things, obviously linked to, you know, health, lifestyle, nutrition, fat loss, etc. Uh, just kind of inspirational, motivational posts uh, where our members can chat on and interact on and ask questions and all that kind of stuff each day. But at the weekend, there was a specific comment that stood out and it's something that I wanted to cover in this episode because it's a really important thing. Uh, if we, if I go back to where it was on my computer, there it is. So I spoke about Christmas in the weekend post. I do try not to start talking about it too early because then we talk about it from whenever I start it right up until like the 20, 21st, 22nd, right up before it. Uh, and it's, you know, you just, it ruins Christmas. You get sick of talking about it by that point. So I try not to start it too early, but something happened that made me just dip into it at the weekend. And I'm not going to talk about it again until next week sometime. So yeah, I spoke about Christmas and someone replied, I'll read out their comment. I need to learn restraint. So used to throwing in the towel at Christmas, I am not going to track on Christmas Day, so I am not worrying about anything on the day as it will be so busy cooking. So that's fine, not tracking Christmas Day. I wouldn't expect people to be tracking Christmas Day or even round about that time if they don't want to. Um, but the whole restraint thing, I need to learn restraint. I'm going to read out my reply, uh, because, and it will kind of kick off what I want to talk about. Learning restraint is coming at it from the wrong angle. Learning why you need to restrain yourself in the first place is where your attention should be. So that's a really important part. Uh, you will hear me talking about this all the time. If you've followed me for any length of time on social media, or indeed if you're a member of the group or you've checked in with me, you will no doubt have heard me talk about coming up with solutions to problems that we don't have. Um, and I'm really big on this, coming up with the wrong solutions to the wrong things. I am a problem solver. I always have been since a very young age. Um, and it's something that served me well throughout life, through my working career, if you can call it that. But now more so as a nutritionist and a coach. Because almost everything I do on a day-to-day -day basis is problem-solving. Our members have problems with their nutrition. They do check-ins with us. They tell us the things that have happened. And then it's up to us as a coach to come and say, right, you know, here's what happened. Here's what you could have done. 
Now remember, we can't change the past, but we can use the past to change the future. So in that situation, here is what you might try next time. Or if you're experiencing this, here are some recommendations for you, that kind of thing. But when it comes to problem solving, we have, we have to do it properly. I used to work with a guy who was not, he was a lovely guy in my, in my last job, not in this nutritionist world, in my last job in a, a concrete products manufacturer. He was a lovely man, but he was not the sharpest tool in the box. And we used to run massive pieces of machinery day in, day out, And it was up to us to keep them going. So if they stopped, we had to get them going again. If something went wrong, we had to go in and fix it. When I say go in, I mean inside the gates, switching everything on, going inside, making it safe, fixing the thing, coming out and doing it all in reverse. Now, this guy would happily go in and out of this machine a hundred plus times to keep fixing the same thing over and over and over again. But he was always fixing the outcome because the thing that he was fixing over and over and over again was the end result of something else. There was something else wrong that was making that happen. He did not have good problem solving skills because he kept trying to treat the outcome. And that's what this comment is kind of getting at. I need to learn restraint. So this person is doing something that they believe they shouldn't be doing or maybe they don't want to be doing and they believe that they just have to learn how to restrain themselves from behaving in that way. Now that's not the solution, is it? Because the real thing is, you know, as I reply, as I said in my reply, learning restraint is coming at it from the wrong angle. You're coming at it, you're coming at it at the end, you're trying to treat the outcome. You're not working your way back through the process to understand why you act in such a way that you feel you need to restrain yourself. So I'll read out the rest of my reply. reply. I'll start again, actually, from the beginning. Learning restraint is coming at it from the wrong angle. Learning why you need to restrain yourself in the first place is where your attention should be. What is it you get out of or enjoy about the behaviours that you believe you need to restrain yourself from. Learning restraint is the same as saying you just need to have more willpower. Developing an understanding of why you behave or act the way you do around foods or certain foods will be of far more value to you in the long term than just trying to hold yourself back. So what we're saying there is that in order to resolve this thing, like I said this in a check-in yesterday with someone, right? They said that they they just need to what was it? Oh, their their husband was bringing, they, what, they were getting scared or they acted differently when their husband brought desserts home because a whole other topic about a relationship with food and the way that we put certain foods on a pedestal, which influences the way we behave around them. But at the bottom of her chicken, chicken one of the questions that we ask or one of the things that we ask them to declare is, you know, state your intentions for the next fortnight. What are you? What are your intentions for the next fortnight? And this is a bit of accountability. We get them to say what they are going to do. When we get to the next check-in, we can then look back at that and say, right, did you do what you said you were going to do? Yes, you did. Great. No, I didn't. Okay. Why not? And that's the kind of accountability side of the coaching that we do. Um, so yeah, this person said, 
state, state your intentions for next for the next fortnight. I am going to not be scared when my husband brings desserts home. And it was the same situation, right? It's as if we can just flick a switch and not do something that we've been doing. You know, it's like it's like saying to someone, you know, if someone came to me and said, oh, I'm terrified of spiders. I'm like, oh, what are you going to do about it? Oh, I'm just not going to be scared of spiders anymore. It doesn't work like that. We can just, through, you know, sheer will and determination, stop ourselves from being a certain way, stop ourselves from performing certain behaviours. We have to always, always go back and discover the underlying reasons why we want to do that thing in the first place. So it's not about learning restraint around Christmas, around Christmas foods, snacks, alcohol, whatever it is. It's understanding what is it that you get out of behaving that way. Let's just assume that um, this person was, you know, when they say they have to learn restraint, they're referring to overconsumption. You know, when we overconsume or binge or eat mindlessly um, or eat for no reason, eat outside of hunger, we need you need to understand that we, we don't ever do something for no reason. I'll do lots of check-ins with people and we'll ask, you know, we'll ask the uncomfortable questions. Someone says they're doing something and I'll just ask the blunt, straight question, why did you do that? And more often than not, they'll say, I don't know. It's like, yeah, but you do know. So let's keep digging. And this is where the questions start. What is it that you get out of that behavior? What's the benefit? What's the value? What's the the pleasure that you experience? What, What is it that you are getting out of that? What is the return on you performing that behavior? Oh, I feel like this, and I feel like this, and I feel like this. Right, and then that's a starting to build a picture. So you are getting this out of that. Where else could you get that from? Is there anything else you could do that doesn't involve eating, that doesn't involve drinking, that you might be able to get that same feeling from? And that's how we start to kind of break these things down. But as I say, we never do anything. We don't do anything for no reason. Sometimes it feels like it. But there is always a reason. And it's because we're experiencing a benefit. Think think of, you know, when people drink alcohol. Me, last weekend at my wife's 40th birthday party. Still going at 7 o'clock in the morning. We know that, or I knew, I knew that I was going to be hungover on the Sunday. Right? That is something that I know will happen. I know I'll feel like a bag of shit. I know I'll probably still feel like crap on Monday. However... I still did the thing. I still had a drink. And why is that? I didn't do it for no reason. I did it because there was a benefit to it. I experienced the benefit. I experienced, uh, it, you know, it was. I got pleasure from it. There was something I got out of that experience that exceeded the negative outcome of the hangover. We do it every time we drink alcohol, like in quantities enough to be hungover at least. You know, people don't say, oh, I'm going for a hangover this weekend. We don't acknowledge that outcome. We go on for a drink. We focus on the good part, the fun part, the enjoyable part, the sociable part, the relaxing, fun, etc. part. We don't focus on what comes after that, even though it's part and parcel of having a good drink. And that's what it comes down to. Where do we see the benefits? Where do we see the value? What is it we're getting from performing the behavior? And this is where this is where problem solving comes into it. We start with the end thing. So, you know, learning restraint, that's like 
the guy I used to work with, going in and fixing the thing every two seconds. Whereas working your way backwards to the source would be standing watching the thing, doing what it's doing, and trying to figure out why it's doing that, and then going back to each step of the process until you get to the root of the problem. So why, I need to learn restraint around food, okay. Why do you need to learn restraint around food? Oh, because I just eat too much, or I overeat, or I just go mad on the cheese board. Okay, why do you do that? Oh, because it's good, it's nice, it's tasty. Yeah, but there's lots of foods that's tasty. Why do you act in this specific way around these foods? And then we keep going backwards. And they might say, oh, because there's there's something I, something I don't have very often, or it's something I don't have in the house. And then we're starting to get to the root of it. You are acting in this way, because you have created this kind of bubble around this specific food where you don't have it in the house, you don't have it very often and when you do have it, you have to have it all, you have to go nuts on it. And this is how we start to break down these behaviours and understand them. And in that instance we might say, right, well, why don't you get some cheese and bring it in the house? Oh no, I can't have it in the house. Why can't you? Oh, because I just eat it like this and I know why. You know, think about this. When the very basics of helping people improve their relationship with food comes from helping them treat all foods the same, okay? it's, It's helping them reach a point where they view all foods equally. The foods that we put on a pedestal, the foods that we treat differently, the ones that we create excitement and we make a big deal about them and make such a fuss about them, those are the ones, you know, when we do that, we change the way we behave around it. By treating those foods the way that we do, we influence our behaviour around them. So, you know, picture someone who says, I can't have chocolate in the house. If I have chocolate in the house, I'll eat it all. And I would switch that back around them and say, no, you eat it all because you don't have it in the house. Think about that. Imagine a house with no chocolate in it because the person says, I cannot have chocolate in the house. And then they go to the supermarket, they're doing the shop and they're feeling pretty good, they're in a good place, they're feeling positive and they say, do you know what, I am going to buy that big bar of dairy, dairy milk. I feel like I could do pretty well with that right now. And then they come home and they're unpacking their shopping and they see the chocolate and they break into a sweat. And they start to feel anxious and they start to feel worried. And those feelings come back that they created once upon a time with chocolate. And what do they do? They open it up and take a piece and then they feel terrible about it so they take another piece and before they know it the whole bar is finished because the sooner that bar is finished and the sooner this house is returned to its non-chocolate state the more relaxed that person can be and all of that is created by that person because they put chocolate on a pedestal because they describe themselves as someone that can't have chocolate in the house. Because something happened long ago that they just said, enough's enough, I'm not having chocolate in the house. You cannot improve your behaviour or your relationship with food by the complete removal of it. I say this all the time, you know, inside our, our coaching groups where people talk about, you know, this will happen in January, right? People will join and they'll start in January and they'll probably say, oh, I'm going to go without this for a month or I'm going to take a month off of alcohol. And that's fine. Yeah, it might help you get a good start. But what are you learning? What are you learning about living life 
like we are trying to teach you with this nutritional balance without the thing that you're going to have in the future added in. People, you know, in January, people will join all manner of terrible diets. They will work with all manner of terrible coaches. They'll return to Slimming World and Weight Watchers and all these things. And they will also come up with their own food rules. I'm going to kickstart my journey by not having any chocolate, not having any crisps, not having any cakes, not having any sweets, whatever the case may be, right? And then when it gets to the end of January and all these things come back in, you know, they've they've not learned how to live with them. And it's the reason that, you know, inside the Monroe Method, Monroe Nutrition, it's the reason that inside what I do, you know, it's, it's heavily encouraged to say yes to nights out, to say yes to meals out, to say yes to social occasions and have weekends away and have breaks and all the rest of it. Because we, you know, I am trying to coach people to live and... You know, the complete removal of the temporary, complete removal of something isn't how you're going to live, is it? That month without alcohol isn't how you're going to live. So we need to learn how to incorporate these things in a diet. Everything can and should be included as part of the balance of your nutrition. Anyway, I have wandered way off. Well, not way off topic, but away from what I was talking about. So... I suppose the key takeaway from this is that we need to stop treating outcomes. You know, this is in January, again, people are going to do fucking shake diets and drink ketones and shit the bed with uh, skinny coffee and skinny tea and booty and whatever. I don't even know what other crap's on the market just now. Is Boombod still a thing? You know, people are going to do all these things. They are going to crash diet in an effort to change a number on a scale. So remember, your weight is the outcome of a number of other... You did not just wake up one day overweight. You did not just eat one meal and wake up overweight. You didn't just have that takeaway and gain weight straight away after it, right? Your weight at the moment is the outcome of months years of choices and decisions. Everything that you've done over the last however long has contributed towards the outcome, which is your current weight. And this is such an important point to understand and get across that. You, you know, I, I put this up in a, uh IGTV video, IGTV on uh, my Monroe Method Instagram account. At the Monroe Method, if you don't follow it. And I, the topic of that, that IGTV was your weight is just a passenger along for the ride. And that it is. Your weight is a passenger in your body. You are the one driving. Your mind is the one driving. What you know and understand about food, your relationship with food, your habits, your mindset, your lifestyle, all of that is in the driving seat. Your weight just follows you wherever all of those things go. If you are gaining weight, it is because you are living outside of your body's needs. You know, let's let's say that you are a five foot, ten stone female with a sedentary job doing five to six thousand steps a day, and you need uh, 
1900 calories a day. And let's say you are consuming 2500 calories a day. Now that 2500 calories is for someone else. That's not for you because your energy needs are 18 1900 calories. The 2500 would be for a version of you that's maybe doing 20,000 steps a day or maybe going to the gym three or four times a week and doesn't have a sedentary job. Your consumption, you are consuming for a level of activity that you aren't doing. And when you do that, obviously you gain weight. But if you imagine a, a point up in the sky, and that's what, you know, if you imagine a, a point kind of at the bottom and a point up in the sky, the point at the bottom is you right now and where you should be living. The point up higher up is how you are living. And if we draw the line from the bottom to the top, that is how your weight goes up. Your weight follows you to where you are living. So your current weight is a reflection of how you are living. It's a reflection of your level of energy consumption. You are consuming for someone burning more calories than you are. And it happens in the opposite direction. And that's kind of what we do inside our coaching groups, right? We, we, I am trying, you know, it's not about weight loss. We're not focused on weight loss. Weight loss just happens anyway. I say this all the time in the check-ins that I do. I'm like, this part at the start where we say lowest weight last check-in, lowest weight this check-in, I'm like, that's just a throwaway thing. I know your weight's going to come down. I know if you're doing the things, your weight will come down. But that's not our main focus. We're not focused on weight loss. We are focused on teaching people how to live within their body's means. We're teaching people how to live at their goal weight. We're helping people create a balance of nutrition that when they do reach whichever weight loss goal they have in mind, it's something they can carry on most of the time. Because once they do get to maintenance and do reach their goal, they can be much more relaxed with it. But yeah, you you know, that, and this, coming back to the point I was making, your weight is just a passenger because your weight is the outcome of everything else. And this is where people get it wrong when they follow these terrible, shitty diets. They are so focused on changing the number on the scale that they change nothing about them as a person. I feel like I said this somewhere recently, perhaps on the, the podcast before, but if um, if you imagine someone in masses of debt, let's say someone's in 50 grand of debt because they constantly spend more money than they make. They are never out of their overdraft. They are always... Um, yeah, 50 grand was a bit much. <laughs> but they're always transferring credit cards. They're always taking out loans to pay off all the credit cards and then they start the credit cards again. That is someone with a expenditure problem. That's not someone with a debt problem in the same way that people don't have weight problems. That's someone that is terrible at managing their finances. Someone who is overweight it probably isn't great at managing their nutrition. Now, if someone stepped in and said, I will give you 50 grand and I will pay off all your debt for you and I will wipe out your overdraft and that happens, what do you think would happen almost immediately? That person would start getting into debt again because nothing about them has changed as a person. 
Absolutely nothing has changed about them as a person. Someone came in and changed their outcome. They paid off the debt for them. When people do these terrible diets that are focused solely on weight loss, like Slumming World, where absolutely, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in a week, everything boils down to that number on a scale. Everything boils down to those couple of minutes where you're standing in line and you step on the scale and it's a gain or maintain or a loss and then you're judged based on what the outcome is. These diets, these plans, these programs that are focused so heavily on the outcome are not helping you change as a person. And you need to change as a person. Because if you are overweight, it's because you are someone that is living a life that is for someone else. You are living a lifestyle that is not for you. So something about you has to change in order for the outcome to change. You know, when it, I said once that, you know, Herbalife reps are like uh, diet travel agents. And what I meant by that was when you start drinking Herbalife shakes or doing anything, right? Juice plus Herbalife um, slim fast whoever else does shakes these days all you're doing is taking a holiday from your usual diet now remember by definition the word diet is a, a, the, the foods that a person or group of people hab- habitually consume so everyone has a diet This is different to being on a diet, right? Everyone has a diet. Everything that you are eating, drinking and doing right now, that's your diet. If you are dieting for fat loss, then it will look like someone dieting for fat loss. If you're not focused on anything then and you're gaining weight, then you have a diet that's leading to weight gain. But it's still your diet, your current diet. When you start a plan or a program or indeed shakes, then you are taking a holiday Remember, these things aren't magical. What I do isn't magical. These things are taking you away from what you were doing to gain weight and they are giving you something else to do. They are taking you on a holiday from your usual diet and replacing it with a couple of shakes and a recommended meal or a couple of shakes and a snack or whatever it is. And the reason I call it a holiday is all holidays have to come to an end. And when a holiday does come to an end, you have to go home again. And when you go home, when you're, that usual diet that you normally stick to is sitting at the front door waiting for you to come home like a little puppy, and you go back to normal. But then the normal is the one that got you to where you were in the first place. So this is what I mean about treating outcomes. We need to stop treating the end result. We need to change the result for any length of time to to achieve lasting results, to achieve lasting weight loss. You need to focus on how you are getting there in the first place. Because once you do that, then dieting becomes a thing of the past. That's everything that I'm about inside Monroe Nutrition. Helping people learn and understand why they keep gaining weight in the first place. Why they keep finding themselves in a position where they have weight to lose. Because when you solve that puzzle, when you solve that problem, when you take it from the end result back to the source, then dieting becomes a thing of the past. Think about it. If you learn how to stop gaining weight, 
then you don't need to go on a diet. But the yo-yo diet industry has people absolutely hooked on this endless yearly cycle and it's about to start all over again on the 1st of January. So it's up to people like me to push things on social media and send emails out to the people that listen to emails and talk on this new podcast and spread that message to help people know that there is another way, not just the same broken approach that they keep doing. Anyway, so all that kicked off with reading off those comments about I need to learn restraint. We don't need to learn restraint. We don't need to treat the outcome. We need to learn why. Why we are in a position where we feel we need to learn restraint. Why we feel that we need more willpower. What is it you need more willpower for? And then you work backwards to the source of that problem and you solve that. And you will find that it is going to be a very different solution to the end result. You know, someone, if I said this, I didn't touch on it properly, but, you know, people think that they have problems with their weight. Their weight. People think that their weight is the problem and it's not. You know, as I said, your weight is a passenger. The problem is everything else that you did to take your weight to where it was. And that's where your attention should be. So anyway, number two. Oh God, I think I said I was going to talk about two things at the start. I can't remember now. Um, Number two, I was going to talk about weight maintenance. I hope that's what I said at the start. Because I did kind of hum and haw between two or three topics. Let's go with it anyway. I want to talk about weight maintenance. So let's assume that you've spent some time working with me. You have achieved your weight loss goal. We have done the work for six, seven, eight months at least. And you have created this new balance of nutrition that feels natural to you, that you enjoy, and that you want to continue with. Again, that's another point to touch on. You know, I'm trying to help people create a new normal. They shouldn't have a normal to go back to. What we are doing should be the the new normal. What we're doing should be the foundation of their new normal that they then build on from there. Um, But let's assume that all that's happened and you are now ready to maintain your weight. The first and the number one thing that you need to understand is weight maintenance is not keeping your weight at an exact number for the rest of your life. That is not weight maintenance. And I would blame Slumming World for that one because they call, you know, they you have three options when you step on the scales, right? Gain, maintain, or a loss. But they also call a maintain staying the same. And then that kind of creates this idea where maintaining is staying the same, right? And it's not the case at all. You need to understand that your weight will fluctuate throughout the year. It will fluctuate in response to the way you are living your life. If you relax a bit and enjoy yourself more through the summer, then your weight might reflect that. If you relax and enjoy yourself a bit more through the through the, the festive period, then your weight might reflect that. What weight maintenance isn't is gaining, you know, tens of pounds, tens of kilos, a few stone at a time. That's yo-yo dieting because they, you then have to diet for a prolonged period of time to get that down again. Weight maintenance would be something like gaining, you know, half a stone over Christmas and then it coming off again through January and February. Seasonal weight gain. Absolutely normal. You know, let's go back many, many years to the days where people went out and farmed fields and reared 
livestock and all those things. There were times where food would be scarce, but during the times when food wasn't scarce, they would fatten themselves up when there was plenty to eat. And when there wasn't plenty to eat, they would eat less and they would lose weight. You know, they might go through the opposite weight seasonal weight gain from us. You know, we might gain weight through Christmas because food is in abundance and it's the festive period and all the rest of it. Once upon a time, that might have been a time of scarcity where people lost weight. Think of bears. Honestly, I I did this post about bears. I'm going to write that down actually because I want to do that post again because it was hilarious. When I was talking about starvation mode. I can't remember the exact numbers, but bears will eat something like 20,000 calories a day in salmon all the way through wherever it is, spring to whenever, and then they go into hibernation. They will gain, I can't remember. I wish I could, I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head. Let's say it's like 60 kilos or something. And then they'll go into hibernation. And their bodies will almost shut down reduce the power output and they will run off their body fat and they will step out that cave (laughs) and it's like a before and after photo of someone losing 100 kilos or 50 kilos and that is how bears work that is their seasonal weight gain and weight loss that is how they maintain their weight they pile it on through the months where they can and then they lose it when they're hibernating So that's the important part to remember. Weight maintenance is not keeping your weight at an exact number. It's having the ability to perform maintenance on your weight if and when you feel you need to. If and when it's drifting in too much direction either way, not just upwards, downwards as well. It just doesn't happen downwards as frequently. Imagine your car. We do not get our car serviced or MOT'd every single day to keep it in the exact same condition every single day. We get serviced once a year. We use it, we drive it, things you know wear out, things deteriorate, things degrade, fluids run out, fluids run down. We put it in for a service, it gets checked over, the things that need fixed get fixed, the fluids get topped up and then that's you for another year we can perform that same kind of maintenance on our bodies. But again, it's not about specific numbers. It's not about stepping on the scales and saying, oh, I'm supposed to be nine stone, I'm nine stone seven, I need to change that. It's, do you feel like you need to change it? Are your clothes fitting any differently? No. Are you comfortable each day? Yes. Are you experiencing any kind of shortness of breath or anything like that? No. Then why do you need to lose weight? just because a number is not at the same number it was before. Let's get away from this idea that weight maintenance is staying at exact numbers, because it isn't. Weight maintenance, you know, and we, understanding this helps us maintain our weight better. Because if you step on the scales and you get shocked by this number, what might that lead to? How might you behave? How might you react? How might you feel? We need to accept that weight gain is perfectly normal. Fuck, it's more than normal, it's essential. It is an essential bodily function. It's just, it's a bodily function that doesn't really align with today's world. You know, food is everywhere. We could eat 24 hours a day if we wanted to. 
It's everywhere. It's in absolute abundance, highly palatable foods. We could eat non-stop if we wanted to. So the whole body fat mechanism, you know, body fat is an energy store, right? So you have two energy stores. If you, When you eat a meal, you don't use all those calories right away, obviously. If you have a 500 calorie meal and you're using 100 or so calories per hour, then that food, that energy from that food has to go somewhere. So it gets stored temporarily as muscle glycogen. And so you have your lunch, you have your 500 calories, and then let's say you're burning 130 odd calories an hour, you will gradually get through that temporary energy store. And then if those calories run out, if that energy runs out, you are now in a calorie deficit. So your body will now tap into your body fat, which is your kind of longer term energy store. And that's how our bodies work. But again, it's just not compatible with today's world because we pile calories on top of calories. We pile energy on top of energy. And when we keep consuming energy that we don't use, that energy has to go somewhere. And that's why we gain body fat. We are consuming energy at a level for someone that is far more active than we are. And we just don't use it. So weight maintenance isn't staying at this exact number. It's understanding that you will gain weight. It's the acceptance that you will gain weight. It's the acceptance that weight gain is perfectly normal, perfectly natural. It's required by your body to function. Um, our body actually needs a certain level of body fat. You know, to remain healthy, having absolutely no body fat would not be great. We still need some. Um, otherwise, particularly in women, bodily functions start to shut down. Uh, menstrual cycles can be disrupted and effectively switched off because of you know the low energy availability and lower levels of body fat. But that's a topic for another time. Um, yeah, I think that's just the key thing to weight maintenance. The actual we can maybe talk about this another time, but actually how you achieve weight maintenance would be a good topic for another time. But the number one thing is the acceptance that you will gain weight. I've seen so many things recently from these terrible, horrible diets. One particularly, the one-to-one -one diet, previously known as the Cambridge Weight Plan, but they had to go through a rebranding to get through, to get bad away from all their bad publicity. Saying, you, you know, you have three options this Christmas. Are, are you going to stay on plan? Are you going to be a hero and stay on plan all the way through? Are you going to be on plan most of the time and be happy with a small loss? Or will you just deal with the gain in January? As if those are your only options. Deal with the gain completely. You know, like, as if people are just going to go hashtag off plan for the full of December and just deal with it in January. It's such a horrible, disordered, damaging approach. We don't need to deal with the gain. Because if we had a good relationship with food, if we understood weight maintenance, if we had a good balance of nutrition, then there wouldn't be some big gain to deal with. Because we wouldn't punish our bodies with food. We wouldn't punish it with alcohol. We wouldn't overconsume because we believe that that's how you have to enjoy Christmas. We wouldn't write off an entire week just so we could enjoy one day. We wouldn't feel guilty and ashamed after Christmas because of how much we ate and then say we might as well keep going because it's Boxing Day. Do you know what I mean? It is it's so complex. 
you know, when people send me messages on Instagram and they're like, oh, is this just calorie counting? Is that, you know, and I'm like, I, I cannot, I can't get into words sometimes. I can't describe sometimes exactly what it is we do and what it is that we, what we work on and what we help our members with. Like, people think that dieting is just calories and numbers on scales, don't they? They think it's just, oh, it's just calorie deficit. Oh, and it's just losing a pound a week or two pound a week. People are so short-sighted and misguided when it comes to dieting. Because there is so much more involved. Especially in, in um, in the demographic that I'm in. I have naturally landed in this place where all I do is help people that have, not all I do, but most of what I do is help people that have been chewed up and spat out by the yo-yo diet industry more times than they care to remember. People that have joined Slimming World and spent thousands of pounds over the 5, 10, 20, 30, I think 40 or 45 years was the longest time someone had been with them. That's the niche that I'm in. Those are the type of people that I'm helping. I'm helping deprogram unbrainwash you know it's it's like it's like a computer you know i'm trying to format their hard drive if that makes sense to anyone i'm trying to format their hard drive and install a fresh copy of monroe nutrition 2021 (laughs) oh that's a good one i need to write that down as well i'll maybe do a instagram post about that with a laptop But that's basically what I'm trying to do, right? I am trying to format their hard drive and install a fresh copy of Monroe Nutrition 2021. Not because it's the best way, not because it's the best diet in the world, because it's science, it's evidence-based. You know, when people join us, I basically put them through a mini nutrition course. They spend an hour or two reading, watching and learning because we need them all on the same page. We need everyone on the same page. We need people getting rid of these beliefs that you shouldn't eat after 7pm or you shouldn't have carbs at night or um, not eating enough is a thing, starvation mode is a thing, sugar is bad for you, all this other shit that people believe. We need to get rid of that. That's why we need to format their hard drives. That's why we need to get rid of this slimming world mentality and mindset that they have. God, the amount of times that people will just post a thing, random thing to the group and say, can I just check? We are allowed to have bread twice in one day. And it's, I just, I feel so bad for people because not for that one specifically because I know they're in my safe hands and I'm going to help them. I know that anyone that joins me is going to leave in a better position than when they started. That is guaranteed for every single person because of my ethics Um and the kind of duty of care. I mean, one of the we, we are healthcare professionals, and as a healthcare professional, your number one, your your first commandment, if you will, is do no harm. Do no harm and leave people in a better position than when they came to you. That doesn't mean taking them all the way to the finish line. That doesn't mean you are going to help every single person achieve their goal weight and improve their relationship with food. Once upon a time, I did think that was the case, but I was very naive back then. When I first started out, you know, I thought I was going to help every single person I worked with, which just isn't the case. Um, But you can do your best with them and you can damn well make sure that they leave you 
knowing more than they did before, in a better place than they were before. And maybe they do want to, you know, we've had this before, people will join for a few months, um, they'll get annoyed with weight fluctuations or with what they would describe as slow losses, and they'll go back to Slimming World. And within a week, sometimes within a couple of days, they're straight back again. And they're like, I just had to go back and see, but I could not sit through the meeting. Knowing what I know now and listening to the consultant talk, I just couldn't sit through it. I couldn't put myself through it. I'm ready to do this. And sometimes people need to go away and come back. God, one of the most successful people we've had, um, should I say her name? Yeah, why not? I mean, I don't think she would mind. Kerry O'Donnell. She's on my Instagram anyway. Uh, Kerry O'Donnell. She she didn't leave and come back, but she joined, didn't put the work in, and then kind of disappeared for a while. And she she said this herself in her testimonial that she did for me. You know, she joined, put in part of the effort, didn't get the results. Remember that whole complaining about getting not getting results for work you didn't do? And then she was like, oh, that's a load of shit, and she didn't do it. But then she came back, and she did it again. And she absolutely smashed it and continues to smash it to this day she has been maintaining her weight for god knows how long now because sometimes people do need to go away and come back again sometimes people do need to give that old faithful one last chance even though it's going to lead to the same outcome it has the last 20 million times anyway we'll wrap this up here because i like to do it 45 minutes so yeah Come up with solutions to the problems that you have, not the outcomes of the problems. With basic problem solving, start with the end and work your way back to the source and solve that problem. When you solve that one, you solve everything else. When you keep treating the outcome, you solve nothing. And weight maintenance is not keeping your weight stuck at the same number on the scale for the rest of your life. It will fluctuate up and down, round about. It won't wander too far from that. But if you're gaining, you know, dozens of pounds, tens of kilograms, stones at a time, you're not maintaining your weight. You're still yo-yo dieting and you probably have a little more work to do. But weight gain is perfectly normal, perfectly natural. When you learn to accept weight gain, that can that has the power to transform what happens to your weight in the future. When you start treating it as something perfectly normal, it starts to lose this power over you. It starts to lose its negative kind of attachment. But it's a long road. It's not something that's solved overnight. And it's often something, if, especially if you've been you know, chasing numbers up and down on a scale for years, sometimes decades, then it's probably something you could use a little assistance with. So I hope that's been useful. It felt like a bit of a ramble at times, but I suppose that's where the best parts are. Um, as ever get in touch with me. I'm going to update my email address in this. I've got some shiny new email addresses finally for my new website, which will be finished in the next couple of weeks. Touch wood. <laughs> once I once I finish it. Um, yeah, get in touch. My email address should be on this thing, on in the comments possibly. Contact me on uh, Instagram. Don't do it on Facebook. I don't do Facebook. Facebook I use for the coaching groups messages. I don't do Facebook messages. I spend all my time on Instagram. So if this has been useful, I'd be keen to hear from you. Um, If it hasn't been useful, then I'd be keen to hear from you as well. I'd love to hear any sort of uh, feedback or constructive criticism. Until next time.